0: Welcome back to the show. Now, just quickly, before we get into today's episode, my Instagram stories challenge starts today. If you aren't already registered, make sure you click the link below this episode and get yourself inside. You are going to learn how to start using Instagram stories effectively for your business and have so much fun doing it. So like I said, click that link below this episode and let's get you in there and learning. influencer marketing is booming. In fact, it's one of the marketing channels that did not see a significant decline in activity even during this COVID-19 shutdown period when marketing spend in many channels saw really sharp reductions. That's according to the World Federation of Advertisers. Now this booming industry of influencer marketing does bring with it quite a lot of questions such as how can we make sure we see a return in our business when we're working with influencers? What things do we need to consider? Are there any legalities around it? How do we actually know which influencers are going to be best for our business to work with? And if we are an influencer or interested in exploring this very viable business model, what do we need to know? Well, in today's episode, I'm speaking with Karen White. She's the agency director of the Lime Agency, owner of Pod Legal, and co-deputy chair of the Australian Influencer Marketing Council, and yep, yeah, she is a one smart woman. <laughs> In July this year, the Australian Influencer Marketing Council, AIMCO, released the industry's first set of working practices to support brands, agencies, and creators. So as someone with years of experience working in all aspects of influencer strategy, Karen is breaking down in this episode why influencer marketing is more than just paying for product placement. What the newly released AIMCO code of practice means for brands and also for influencers, what the code covers, and really why these core elements of influencer engagement are so important to consider but also so easy to miss. Karen also shares her three core principles for successful brand influencer fit, and I absolutely loved these. We also discuss the danger that some influencers facing from what they are currently doing and how they are working with brands and also what Karen suggests influencers do instead to create a really successful and sustainable business. And I loved this bit of the conversation. We also discuss when you might consider working with an influencer agency and so much more. So without further ado, let's bring Karen onto the show. Well, Karen, thank you so much for joining me on the show today.
1: It's really great to be here, Emily. Uh, as I said, I'm actually a genuine longtime fan of your podcast. So for me, it's actually delightful to be sitting in the chair and being interviewed by you,
0: turning the tables into you today. <laughs> <laughs> so for our listeners that haven't heard of you before, can you explain who
1: are you? Yeah. And look, I wouldn't expect for your listeners to uh, have heard of me. I I tend to fly under the radar a little bit. And I do wear a couple of hats in, in what I do from day to day. So my primary role is I'm the agency director at the Lime Agency. And the Lime Agency is a talent management and brand strategy agency. So what that means is that we do a lot of work across the Uh, influencer marketing space and media space so that media extends across to things like television and film and print media and all sorts of media essentially so it's a really fun role to have I get to work with a lot of very interesting and exciting people and I have to say there's nothing more exciting to see a campaign or a brand strategy that you've worked on come to market and and see that in the marketplace so that's that's my job that's What I do as my day job. I've also been uh, the co owner of a social media technology and intellectual property law firm for 10 years almost, actually. And I think the relevancy of that is that we've been working in social media law for a very long time and e commerce law. And that has a big role to play in the discussions that we have around influencer marketing. And I'm here, I guess, to talk today a little bit more around the Australian Influencer Marketing Council, which is also known as AINCO. We recently re- released the Influencer Marketing Code of Practice and my role at AIMCO is as the co-deputy chair. So I've had the privilege of working with the guiding council of AIMCO for many months now and to see the launch of the Influencer Marketing Code of Practice, which occurred in July, but work behind the scenes across the industry to develop this code of practice and hopefully use that to shape the way that we deliver really informed and transparent influencer marketing
0: it's not going anywhere. Influencer marketing. It is booming. So I'm really excited to just ask you all the questions I have about this space from both the business perspective for businesses looking to work with influencers, but then also for listeners who are curious about getting into the influencer space themselves, or maybe are already in it, but looking at kind of, okay, what do we need to know with this new code of practice? Now, Karen, before we get into the nitty gritty, I want to just kind of let a little bit more about you outside of work so what are you listening to or watching or reading right now let's get to know you a little bit more
1: okay outside of work well most people probably wouldn't recognize me outside of work because I'm a bit of an animal activist so I'm I'm a proud supporter of the wellness and well-being of, of animals so you'll often find me ca- covered in some sort of random animal hair or working uh, to support uh, animals affected by disaster so I do a lot of work in that space and that's uh, something that's very dear to my heart and at the moment I'm obviously listening to the Emily Osmond show tick, podcast there we go, <laughs> and currently I'm switching up my listening I'm listening to the Samantha Gash podcast Ooh. and Conscious Conversations by Maritza Barone but I'm also enjoying listening to audiobooks as an alternative to podcasts so what I've found recently to be enjoying is listening to books that I've read by people that I work with or Uh, respect and I've been downloading audio books. So just switching the, I guess, the listening up a little bit. So it always stays fresh and engaging for me.
0: That's awesome. I've got two new podcasts now to listen to. So thank you.
1: (laughs) Great. Great to hear. highly recommend each of those.
0: Amazing. I'll pop those links below actually, so everyone can go check them out. Now I want to start off with what role does influencer marketing actually play in the marketing industry? What is it really for anyone that doesn't really know?
1: That's a really good question and and touching on what is it and the value that it brings to the market in Australia is, is quite significant. I'm going to start off with the market size just to give some context to the next response. So influencer marketing is significant in Australia. In fact, PricewaterhouseCoopers have estimated the value of the market in Australia for 2020 to be in the vicinity of $240 million. So it is a big chunk of money that brands are spending to enable their consumers, their customers to discover their brand story.
0: So is that what businesses are spending on influencers?
1: Not. On influencers exclusively, that is the overall market size. So when we look at influencer marketing, there's a number of different components that we look at delivering an influencer marketing campaign into market. So obviously one key component of that is is selecting the talent, the influencer that the brand might work with or a variety of influencers that they might work with across that campaign. But there's other elements that we need to consider those elements might include a media spend. For instance, we might engage Emily Osman to talk about this fantastic product on her podcast, but then we might allocate some media buy to what we call amplify that podcast. So that means that we might put some money behind that as a media spend so more people become aware of the Emily Osman podcast. So bringing that into audience members feed. So that's part of that, that market size as well.
0: That makes sense. Yeah. Okay.
1: Media spends a very, very big part of, of that equation. and But then there's other things that might not be so familiar to, to people. And that's the, the things that go on behind the scenes. So there might be agencies, and there's usually agencies involved. So the agency coming up with the creative concepts and ideas of what that influencer marketing campaign is going to look like. So that's very, very strategic. We also look at advertising agencies and how they might work with their client, who's the brand, to come up with a a strategy for that campaign. So effective influencer marketing isn't simply providing influencers with a product and say, hey, look at this shiny thing. It's a very strategic approach uh, at that that high brand level. So the agency will work with their client to understand what their needs are, what direction, what messaging do they want to have for this piece of content that's going into market? Is there a sales strategy attached to this? Is it a brand awareness strategy? So, hey, let people know that we have this new product in the marketplace. Is it a consumer sentiment piece? You know, we we see a lot of brands that run into trouble uh, with their customers and and they might need to do some work in regaining their customers confidence or trust again so it might be a consumer sentiment piece so there's lots of different elements that we need to consider when we put a campaign together and the agency's role is developing that that brand message and brand story so that's another cost that uh, people might not associate with influencer marketing and then there's other elements such as the measurement and reporting of campaigns and markets. So third party software providers that provide really deep insights and analytics around how that content's playing out in the marketplace. What what are the uh, influencers audience? How are they responding to that? What type of comments are they making? You know, what's the demographic of that audience? So there's lots of other elements to that. And then of course, there's the things that really no one likes to talk about but are so essential and that's the legal and contractual obligations what happens if uh, the talent work with a competitor or if the content goes viral how is that going to be managed so when we look at the the spend across the influencer marketing space it encapsulates all of those elements and I guess To link that back to what AIMCO are doing, when we look at the code of practice, it has been developed in response to all of these elements that take place throughout influencer marketing campaign, right through from that initial ideation, through to uh, research and engagement of influencers, managing the conduct of the talent and the engaging party, so the business, the brand or the agency, and what's gonna happen throughout the duration of that, that relationship. So it's really important that all parties are on the same page with those sorts of things.
0: That's the thing, because I know in my uh, in my community in the Modern Marketing Collective, I sometimes have my students say, "Oh, you know, I sent them a product, and then they they haven't posted." And I'm like, "Is there an understanding between both of you? Is this really really clear?" And I think that now having a code of practice for everyone to use is going to be really helpful uh, when it comes to both sides being having that clarity and getting to a better outcome as well. So, what does what does it actually mean with this code of practice now for business owners
1: and then for influencers as well that's a really important point that you raise because there's lots of different people that operate within this space so the code of practice really allows businesses and talent wherever you sit within that equation to engage with a higher level of trust within the activity you're doing in the influencer marketing space. So the example that you just gave around your modern marketing collective, sending out product, what's going to happen? I would really encourage anyone that's looking to engage in influencer marketing to jump over to Aimco. The have a look at the code of practice and use that as a guideline to shape those discussions. The code of practice covers really important activities in relation to influencer marketing. For example, we look at ensuring the briefs and contracts are sound. So, what does that brief look like? You mentioned, hey, do we just send out a product? and hope for the best? Or do we have a proper brief in place that's going to govern what that content's going to look like, the timing of when the content's going to be posted and so on, what hashtags are going to be used, what at tags are going to be used. We look at the importance of including content and intellectual property rights in that discussion. So Emily, we're going to record a podcast today. You assume that you own all of that content in relation to the podcast. But what happens if I come back to you and say, oh hang on a minute, Emily? Oh no. We didn't have an agreement in writing around that, oh, obviously. Crap. <laughs> no, <laughs> no, no. But you know, it's it's that was probably a poor example. <laughs> no, but it's a know, good it, one. <laughs> or the creator creates a piece of content uh, with a product in it and sends it over to the brand what are they going to do with that how are they going to amplify it can that piece of content suddenly appear in a print magazine or on a billboard so that's probably a more relevant example of intellectual property rights how's that content going to be used and what permissions are in place Uh, we talk about the transparency of vetting influences in the Code of Conduct. What do we want to look at in terms of guaranteeing that the audience is legitimate or their geographic audience is relevant? That's
0: such an important Point because I know that there's certainly a lot of, let's use the example, different Instagram accounts and they might have hundreds of thousands of followers or tens of thousands of followers. But if you look at the engagement rate, there might be one comment or two comments and it's like, hang on a minute, what's going on here? And is a brand who's going to work with that influencer really going to see any return? So I like that that's in there. What does that kind of look like in the, in the code of practice?
1: It's very important. So it digs deeper beyond the vanity metric we know that influence or engagement isn't measured these days simply by the number of fans or followers you might have on a particular channel. Influencer marketing is far more sophisticated now. So the code will cover off, it it actually has about 10 or 12 checkpoints through that vetting process. So looking at ways that brands, when they're looking to appoint an influencer, they can go through and ask these questions you know, to understand that the influencer is potentially a good fit for them. Again, it's 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 a very important element. We also look at some other things around brand safety considerations. You know, we need to make sure that if you're working in particular areas, you might be looking at working with children. There's a whole set of rules that come into play if you're, you know, looking to engage minors or are you working with an alcohol brand or other brands where there's a very high level of compliance or regulatory controls in place. So again, the code looks at some of those, or all of those elements and provides a really robust framework for businesses to use through that. Of course, the big one that, is a hot topic and everyone talks about and that's the disclosure requirements under the Australian consumer law so the whole hashtag ad hashtag gifted and the like and what other disclosure requirements and then we look at the metrics and reporting because you know if you can't measure it what value is it going to bring so going back to that example that we spoke about earlier you know sending out a piece of product how are you going to measure that that return that the business puts into the cost of producing their product, posting it out to the talent and, you know, engaging the talent, having a conversation. What what measurement tools or tactics do they have in place? So they could be as simple as, OK, we'd like to see some screenshots around performance, or they could go right to the other end, which is what we often work with, is that highly sophisticated backend insights and analytics so the code of practice covers all of these elements and it's really it doesn't matter what end of the scale that you're working at whether you're a small business and just want to dip your toe into understanding the value a good influencer marketing campaign can bring to your brand or whether you're a big multinational agency working in this space it provides this really nice framework for all to operate within with transparency so we can all act with confidence through the campaigns that we're bringing to market.
0: I'm going to pop the link so everyone can go and read it because it sounds super, super helpful. And I wanted to ask, Karen, I know that you run an influencer agency and you've been in the space for a long time. How do you, when you work with your clients, assess what is going to be a really good brand fit? between the influencers and then the brands. Do you have your own kind of key, like, I don't know, three key things that you first of all, just want to be looking at to assess whether it might be a good fit?
1: I'd say the three key things that I look at uh, are, what are the influencers' personal values and views? What is the brand looking to achieve from the campaign? And does the product or service align with the outcomes that both the talent can deliver and the brand are looking to achieve? So if we look at that and break it down into a campaign, we might have a client that comes to us and says, okay, we would like to work with Karen. You know, she's got an amazing Instagram following and we want her to talk about uh, this really great meat product that we're launching for barbecues across summer. Now, We work very, very closely with our talent. We understand all of their personal preferences, how, what their value proposition is, what they believe in. So I would know that asking Karen to work with a meat product when she's a vegan isn't going to be a good fit. So we would have a really candid discussion with the client and say, you know what, Karen might hit all of the metrics around what you're looking to achieve in terms of a really good audience demographic. Um, You know, geographically they're in the right location. They're the right gender mix, the right age mix, you know, Karen can deliver content across Instagram, TikTok, blog and a podcast, but Karen's not a good fit for your brand because she doesn't believe in your product. So an influencer marketing campaign really needs to be set up for success. And sometimes the brand might go, you know what, we really want this person to do it. And then we would have a discussion and we would put the the talent and the brand together to see if there's some way to make it fit. Typically, an agency would know, though, that it wouldn't be a good fit. So we really look at the components of the campaign. What is the messaging that needs to come to market and and is the, the talent and the brand and the strategy a good fit at that time.
0: It's pretty obvious as well, when we see influencers who have been engaged by brands, whether or not it is a good fit, because it needs to really look seamless. And I think as consumers, we can quite easily spot or have a feel when we're like, "Mm, that's a little bit off their brand. So it is super important to make sure, like you said, that there, first of all, you need to look at, okay, Do the brand values actually align here? And then I really liked what you said around actually having a goal. And this is what I'm always telling my students before they do anything. It's like, okay, what are you hoping to achieve? And I think that's so helpful for everyone listening to also start there in terms of, okay, you wanna you wanna get into the influencer marketing space. Let's have a look, what are those goals you want to achieve for your business? And then look at, okay, what's the plan now? Who can we look at engaging? So yeah, they were really, really good tips.
1: That's a really good point you raise, Emily. And for all the tricks that I know in the influencer marketing space, I understand the tactics that marketers and advertisers use, but I'm actually a huge consumer of influencer marketing. So if I see someone talk about a product where there's this really strong alignment uh, and good value proposition, you can almost be guaranteed that I'm going to buy it. I'm the same. (laughs) So, yeah, and I think it highlights the value that influencer marketing has. It's not all tricks and tactics. Good influencer marketing is aligning audiences with the right product or service and that's that I think is a really fantastic thing and I love nothing more than seeing something pop up in my feed about hey try this new vegan sausage or hey look at this new handbag whatever it is that I've been looking at I think fantastic that's people doing their job really well so it does bring value to brands and businesses it's not all tricks
0: Oh it's such a good point and I know I'm the same if I see people just kind of really honestly and just in their own like just in a very normal way that they talk about everything talking about a product and why they like it. It's so compelling. And I know we all kind of look at that, then we go click onto the website and check out the products, and a lot of us end up buying. So it's so powerful. A few people asking me about, oh, what makeup do you use or skin products? And I thought, oh, this has nothing to do with my marketing, but this will just be fun. So I recorded a little video and um, I just showed everyone kind of some of the products that I've been using for ages. And um, then I got all these messages saying, I've just like gone and bought all of them, I've added them all to my cart. Oh, Emily, I just, I'm like, oh, Okay, that's really, really cool. <laughs> now, I want to ask as well we've chatted about, I guess, what makes for a good partnership between a brand and an influencer. But I also want to ask what you think makes a good influencer, or what, if people are influencers who are listening or kind of looking at, I guess, um, dipping their toes in the water <laughs> into being a good influencer, what are some of the things they should look out for or consider?
1: I. I'm of the firm view that being an influencer is quite a can be quite a respected profession. I moved into this space because I always appreciated the influence and influence that people have and the way that we can shape opinions of people and I found that really interesting but To get into this profession, I wanted to elevate the voice of people that have something meaningful to say. So when I talk about influencer marketing, I I always enjoy elevating the voice of of trusted and reliable creators. So perhaps I would ask people looking to dip their toes in the water of becoming an influencer. First of all, value your worth. Understand the value that you can bring to a brand. When you have, professionally curated content. So don't pop up sponsored content or freebies every second or third post. Nothing dilutes a personal brand more quickly than seeing uh, poorly considered partnerships, which are often unpaid partnerships or, or low value partnerships that don't have those authentic brand alignments that we spoke about earlier. Value your worth. Take time to build your audience and engage with your audience and be transparent and engaging by building a community around you and then you have something of value to offer a brand. Don't think by uh, trying to get to a particular metric or number on your channel that that will make you valuable to a brand. So really understand who your audience is is or are and what do you have to offer them and and then start working and developing those conversations. We spoke earlier about Emma from the broke generation who yes. I've watched over a number of years and Emma is a millennial finance blogger. She makes money really, really interesting and I'm at the other end of the scale of millennials. So (laughs) I've I've, uh, kind of got all my budgeting tips and tricks down pat, but I actually really enjoy listening to Emma's content because she breaks down talking about money in a way that's so real and relevant. So have those meaningful discussions with your audience. Don't try and be something that you're not. Stick with uh, developing, I guess, a brand uh, identity for your personal brand. And then curate your audience around that theme or niche or specialty that you have. Oh my gosh. Let's just all go and listen to that three times over.
0: That was amazing.
1: (laughs) I would also go on to say I really recommend looking at the code of practice because the code of practice is also developed to support influencers, for them to have confidence in moving forward, to give them some tools and some tactics to help negotiate their partnerships, and, and even if they're just starting out, understanding what they're going to need to look to for the future. And as uh, AIMCO launch some additional membership package which are coming to market very soon we're going to be doing a lot of training for influencers as well so some great tips and tips around different things that they can do to make sure that they have the right brief and contract in place what do they need to ask for from a brand what do they need to understand through the course of this relationship is it going to be paid? Is it going to be unpaid? Do you have an ABN? Do you have a bank account? Do you know how to prepare an invoice? There's lots of different things that you need to consider.
0: It's funny because um, before we hit record, I was asking you, we were having a bit of a chat and um, I was saying, oh, you know, if you've, you know, you're very, you, you know, a lot of people, you're really well connected. If there's anyone that you are. Uh, Could recommend to come on my show, and I explained to you how I know that my listeners love hearing kind of the the numbers behind the business and how the episode with Castella about becoming a six figure artist. So if people haven't listened, go and listen to that one. How that was just so popular because people just loved hearing the honesty and the realness about business there. And you said I know the perfect person, Emma from the Broke Generation. Now this goes back to your point, how you said how I was asking what makes a good influencer. And you said actually them having their own unique voice, having something that they stand for. And this is the thing that I do see with some people on Instagram that I guess, like you said, it's a kind of every second post is a product that they might've been sent for free or being paid a really small amount. And I worry for them because I think no one actually knows them as a person. If we kind of, wind forward the clock to, let's say like a year's time, two years time, three years time, do they actually have a business still? Because I think it's so important that people, like you said, they are building their own personal brand rather than just saying, oh yeah, I'll post that, I'll post that, I'll post that. And so their followers then just don't feel any sense of connection to them and will tune out. And I just think that's a really risky way to build a business too, because I just don't think it has longevity there. People really need to be thinking about themselves and their own brand and also getting creative around different ways they can monetize their brand. Perhaps then on just accepting free or, or really low paid kind of influencer deals. Would you tend to agree with that?
1: absolutely because your personal brand is a business so you need to understand all the elements of running brand you so having a a a well-considered content plan so you've got consistency and regularity so your audience knows what to expect you know we know that Emily's going to drop a podcast every you know Tuesday or we know on Thursday that she's going to talk about you know the latest innovation across social media have some consistency so your audience know what to expect and stick to it develop the channels develop your brand develop business you so there's lots of things to consider and it does take time you know There's no business that I know of that's an overnight success and influencers can generate a lot of revenue, but the ones that take it seriously as a business and conduct themselves professionally are the ones that are going to be around in the the years to come. And they will benefit substantially from approaching it with a business mindset. So ticking all the boxes, it's not about the shiny vanity metrics. It's actually putting in the hard yards and developing a sustainable business model. But you know that goes to what every one of your audiences is trying to do: build a business and make it sustainable and successful.
0: The difference that I see, it's almost people are, or influencers are perhaps scared that they're going to offend someone and maybe turn off potential brand partners but their content ends up being so surface level and vanilla and then when I look to some people that I think do a great job of they've really built that personal brand so that their audience they just their audience can't wait to hear what they're talking about can't wait to hear their opinions on different things and just the first person that came to my mind was Sophie Keisha her Instagram handle I think used to be the young mummy and she used to say it was what do you remember it was something like um Mm -hmm like boobs pubes and something like that that's not gonna work for every brand not every brand is gonna be like oh let's get our products on onto her instagram or in her brand but she has i guess repelled brands so that she can more strongly attract other brands, but also her audience because they love, not everyone's going to love her, but those that do like adore her. And like I said, they want to hear what she thinks, her opinions. And so that's the way that I see if people are thinking about getting into this influencer space around just some inspiration or some ideas or some, some considerations for them to think about too.
1: Indeed. And I have worked with probably the most wholesome people in Australia and I have worked on the other end of the scale it's understanding your niche what what is it that is important to you to topical for you and creating that niche and building your business model around it people that just dip their toe in and out and throw up a product that's not influencer marketing that's them not valuing their worth and they're not looking to a sustainable future But we work with influencers that have persisted over the years and can easily generate uh, a six-figure income consistently year in, year out uh, through mindful brand partnerships. But, you know, it takes work like anything. It's a business. It's it's a job.
0: (laughs) Exactly. Um, I've got a couple last questions. At what point do you think influencers could look at working with an agency? Would you say it's when they just get too flat out kind of fielding all the different inquiries and they want some help or yeah do you have some advice there in terms of when people might start thinking okay let i need some help here to manage this in my business
1: typically an agency would look to contract with an influencer when there's a, a viable commercial opportunity for them. So the agency will look at you and go, okay, we can definitely see that you've worked really hard on your business and you've built up some assets that we can commercialize together getting to that point does take work so if you're looking to tap on an agency's door and say hey look at me you know I really think we should work together you need to explain the value proposition to the agency so the agency understands what you're looking to achieve and whether that's a good fit for them because there's different agencies as well so you know there might be agencies that represent people that say so just on TikTok, you know, and 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 niche into that that space or or they might work with a beauty influencer or or you know particular niche audiences. So again, the influencer might want to look at what their strategic goals are and look for an agency that might align with them. If they're looking to build up their portfolio so they can be signed by an agency, I would recommend that they set themselves up professionally, as we've discussed, understand the business side of the work, and perhaps take on some coaching, things like interacting with other influencers, perhaps joining community groups, listing things like this podcast, going to AIMCO. Uh, we will have an accreditation process for influencers to show that they're professional, they understand what the code of conduct is, they can show that they're a member and that will instantly show credibility and substance and commitment to transparency and authenticity in influencer marketing. So membership to AIMCO is going to be a very, very powerful tool for influencers wanting to elevate their personal brand And, you know, as an agency owner and operator, I would say that anyone that goes through that membership process with AIMCO, it says to me loud and clear that they take the profession of influencer marketing seriously, and that would definitely get my attention.
0: Oh, Karen, this has been so helpful. Is there anything that, you, that I haven't asked that you want to share? Anything that we've missed?
1: Oh, I think it's a conversation. Influencer marketing is something that's really, really interesting. It's ever evolving. There's always lots of things that you can talk about. So really happy to... Continue that discussion at another time or via email, whatever supports you and your listeners' views. But I think what I would really like to say in closing is that I do encourage any business looking to work in the influencer marketing space, so whether that's in the capacity of an influencer or as a business looking to engage in influencer marketing, please go to aimco.org.au. I strongly recommend membership as well. Uh, There's membership options that will be available for uh, individuals and small business owners. So we've been very sensitive around understanding that membership is accessible. At the very least, you can download the Code of Conduct and work through the... Uh, coverage that the guidelines that uh, the AIMCO code of conduct has to give you some good advice. It's an excellent starting point uh, and definitely reach out to AIMCO or myself if you've got any questions around how you can use AIMCO membership or the code of conduct to support your business activities in influencer marketing. We're we're here to help and it's, it's an incredible team that's put together at AIMCO. It's actually been formed through uh, lots of research and consultation across the industry. It's been formed by the industry for the industry. So we have representation there on our guiding council across all elements of influencer marketing. So our goal is to make influencer marketing accessible and transparent uh, across uh, Australian businesses.
0: Oh, Karen, thank you so much for joining me today. If people in touch with you because you mentioned if they wanted to what's what's the best way they can do that
1: so they can get in touch with me at karen k-a-r-a-n at lime l-i-m-e agency.com.au and to get in touch with aimco for the code related questions membership inquiries and how we can support your business uh strategies through transparent and confident influencer marketing you can reach out to us at aimco a-i-m-c-o at auditedmedia.org.au
0: excellent i'll put those links underneath too so everyone can go away and do that well thank you so much karen i i loved this chat and uh i learned a lot from it too and lots of really good reminders in there too so thank you again for joining me
1: thanks emily it's been such a pleasure